This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. It's the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. You know the name of the show. Owen, Ken, and a very happy Murph here. Hello there. Hey, guys. Hey, Ken. Happily recording for duty. Yeah, you're very happy because you had the dream day out of Croke Park here on a win for Galway in the best game of the Hurting Championship by an absolute mile this year. And a couple of family members. This is the ultimate joy for any GA supporter. A couple of family members getting their mugs in the paper this morning. I opened the Irish Independent to see Galway fans. Enda Murphy, eight. And his father, Paul, from Athenry at Croke Park yesterday. Beaming smiles. Like, I, I, de- I, sh- I feel I should have said Paul Murphy is probably the most cynical man I know. And so to see him oh, really? dressed up like a goon yeah, right. in a national newspaper uh, celebrating Goldway's victory yesterday. He looked even more excited than Enda. Enda, Enda looked like, yeah, I'm into this. I, I am into yeah. this. But, I mean, can I just go and see the rest of the game? It's been a long day. <laughs> Whereas Paul's like, mm, yeah, no. This, yeah, this is the- no. Do you want me to take my top off? Should, I, I should take my top off. <laughs> I've written up Goldway on my... Uh, on my upper chest here, so that might that might work for you guys. Unbe- Whatever works. Unbelievable location. Tell me where you want me. Uh, yeah, amazing. Uh, and you were there beside me, on. I was there beside you. Uh, did I did I lose my composure? I thought I behaved reasonably well. Yeah, you were. You knew you, you behaved reasonably well. There was that moment of panic after Galway hit the winning point when they then won. The, I think they won the following puck out. Yeah, but decided to play a couple of fancy little hand passes, trying to get another winning score. And you were like, "Hit it out!" <laughs> yeah, that that was that was the only moment really. You literally wanted you don't see this in hurting. You just wanted it like they do in uh, say a scrum half and rugby gets the ball and the whistle's already gone, they just kick yeah. it off. You literally just want to joke handing to slam it across into the crowd, take yes. a lot out. No, no, no. A wide's as good as a point yeah. at that at that stage. I mean, I don't think it would it would people would look in it kindly if you just hit it out to like either sideline. But I mean if you're hitting it to the end line as a you know, a, a, what looks like an attempt on goal as long as you get it wide, then I think it's fine. But um, 
yeah, it was it was it was quite something. Of course, you heard all this excitement, didn't you? Yeah, I could hear it, and I could hear the uh, screams of the crowd in Croke Park. You've moved into a new establishment nearby. Yes. Uh, a house. makes it sound like I'm living in a pub or something. <laughs> or you've been sent to a bar. I mean, some sort of pub landlord. Um, I'd go there once. Yeah, from my hostelry, I mean, just uh, <laughs> in the shadow of Croke Park, it was, it was possible to hear the the uh, screams of the The early crowd. house, of course, it would be yeah, called. Yeah, of course. Right? Good work, on Good work. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, my father lived in a boarding house when he first moved to Dublin. He lived in a boarding house with, like, 14 other single men on Clonliffe Road. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's the same boarding house. Uh, he had a rather stern mistress. Uh, uh, sort of lady, Yeah, vanity yeah. type. He told me, actually, he never really spoke about this period of his no. life for any, in any great detail, but he did tell me that... <laughs> he didn't tell his children about this part uh, of his life in great detail. He, he did tell me that there was one towel. <laughs> one towel and 14 guests staying in this guest house, and it was like a five days a week, and you'd Home, home on a Friday, Friday evening. That was kind of the vibe. Uh, you're, you're probably only having, a, you know, washing once every two weeks, though. In fairness, each I'd each, heard enough. Each man would get to use the towel, you know, on one day out of those two weeks. Yeah, is that not how it worked? Well, I, I, I haven't. I didn't ask any further questions than that because it was quite. It was disturbing enough, to be honest. I have to say that if you're in, uh, if you're kind of going around the streets there on of North uh, Dublin, mm-hmm. the uh, Dublin football team is absolutely everywhere. What, you mean the players? No, I don't mean the, pl- the players. Just say no, they're I mean, as a, as a kind of corporate presence, mm-hmm. you know, like on every sort of billboard and like those people were in Dublin tops and all this. I didn't really kind of, wasn't familiar. I can tell you, Owen and Crumlin, that doesn't really happen so much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they just aren't putting the billboards up there or what the story is, but you just don't, it's just not really, you kind of are like, wow, this dubs thing is like... Uh, Kind of big in this area. It's a of Dublin. bit of a big deal. It's finally dawned on Ken that there are a lot of Dublin fans in and around Croke Park. Can the can you identify the different cheers? I ask you that because we were walking by Croker earlier in the day uh, when the first minor game, the Kilkenny great Kilkenny comeback, uh, the great Galway comeback, I should say, was in full swing. And you can you can certainly tell a point from a goal usually, or a goal from a point. And you can definitely tell full time. It's a different type of cheer at full time mm. than even a goal. The goal is just such an explosion, and that's the only time that usually happens. I don't know if, you, if you're uh, only just around. You're only no, just moved in. I mean, I'll have to try and maybe uh, you know after a while I'll, I'll learn how to distinguish them. I mean, you suppose you have to watch TV while listening to the. No, well, no. The, the, the point track. is that on on reckons you don't need you don't need to. No, watch you don't need. TV. Yeah, you can make it out just from the roars. But I mean, a, a point. That, that wins the game at the end will be a louder cheer than a goal that doesn't matter in the first half see this is what we're telling you Owen reckons and I, I have actually lived under the shadow of Crow Park I lived there for about two years the man's got a point oh, yeah. Murph got to the stage where he could say no that was like, that was a score no that's just a consolation point yeah. he would say no that's no, that's clear no, they're still three down it's a rare and extremely <laughs> useless gift that I have Ken oh I should mention by the way I should mention I want to ask we're going to have Owen Kelly in studio right yeah, and we also have Ken. As you can see, we also have a couple of hurls over there in studio. Yeah, and a, a helmet there because myself and Murph are taking part in the game. We're actually playing on the Hollow Turf at Croke Park tonight for the GA Riders, and uh, they've invited us in, despite particular my dubious credentials. Right, uh, we're going to play. <laughs> what, 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 what dubious? You're a journalist who talks about Gaelic games every single. You write with Monday your mouth. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, we played last year. Last year was Gaelic football, and this year uh, you invited me along. Murph, you said the guys organising it. Are, uh, want us to play again? I was like, oh, that, yep. that's great. And then when I got the email, I was like, oh, one third hurling to three periods. Three one, halves. Three halves and one half. Three teams? 
No, no it's, that's not getting, that's not an overcomplicating thing. So it's like, wow. Big pitch. I, I haven't played a competitive game of hurling since literally since under 13. Mm. So I'm not quite sure if I. It's a game they say you have to play quite regularly to keep your yeah. touch in, to keep your eye in. <laughs> I, can, we, can I please ask Owen Kelly for tips as to how to navigate the wide open space of Croke Park? Please. Well, well, yeah, you can. You can. It's going to be embarrassing for all concerned, but hey, why not? You know, I've actually never played a competitive game of hurling. Um, so all of you hurlers out there, uh, my one ever game of hurling is going to be on in Crow Park. So that's, that's pretty nice. Jason Day as the USPJ champion after a fairly amazing few days and he's got a really interesting backstory this is well known probably in Australia and will now become better known to all of us now that he's finally got over the line to win one of these majors we've obviously seen his struggles on the course I say struggles he's turned into one of the best players in the world but getting over the line getting that major uh, off his back his father there's a more serious backstory though in that his father died and he was very young he was quite off the rails very much off the rails for a few years said himself that he was an alcoholic as a teenager I think he might have been 12 or so when his dad died and managed to bounce back from all that unfortunately no, it's not the most typical way into a professional golfing career I think it's fair to say so we'll talk about all of that with an Australian journalist who's been writing about that uh, about that exact story and one of Ireland's I'm going to say he's definitely one of Ireland's greatest sports people Olympic bronze medalist Commonwealth champion European silver medalist, now European gold medalist, Michael... Con- oh, he's also named Boxer of the Year in Bulgaria at the weekend. Michael Conlon is going to be on the show. Not to mention his ridiculous ability to fight both orth- Orthodox and Southpaw. Ronnie O'Sullivan style. Yeah. Uh, Eric Donovan was very good on the RTE coverage as co-commentator uh, for the semi-final final. And uh, he drew the analogy that people come up to him and say, oh, you know, fighting Southpaw and Orthodox is like uh, professional footballer hitting with his kicking a football with his weaker foot and he says well it's actually a lot it's like a golfer basically playing right handed and left handed uh, now I've seen Portrick Harrington play left handed and you know let's just say he wouldn't be winning three majors you know playing left handed so I mean it's a pretty it's a He'd pretty spectacular the course there, yeah. yeah it's a pretty spectacular uh, uh, skill set that uh, Michael has he's absolutely brilliant as was Joe Ward we'll talk about all of that uh, right now we're going to welcome Owen Kelly into studio and thanks very much for making it in yeah, um, delighted to be here, lads. Probably disappointed after yesterday, all right. But look, we all look for the this game of the year we were looking for. Um, just probably a, a, a curse that everyone was looking for because we were getting poor games. But we, what was served up yesterday was amazing. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was. It was class from the very off. Like I mean, I looked at the clock. There was six or seven minutes, and Galway guy had been panned out in the ground. Carl Barrett had been panned out in the ground. He was up. He was panned out in the ground again. He was gone off the pitch. Next thing, he was pulling the lad down for a penalty. Next thing, Aidan Hart was back on after going off. So, you know, it was an amazing start and it set the tone for the day. And I think those hits and those tackles um, probably let you know what even Galway were about for the day. Like, and look, when Galway come like that with that fight and that hunger, um, they're as good as any team yeah. we've ever seen. That's the And that's the really frustrating thing that we've touched on, on a couple of times this year, that what had changed in Galway was this extra physicality or this... Uh, this uh, decision made before they cross the white line effectively that no one is going to bully them and that any time they bring that goal they're very very close they're, they're, they are and look you know there's a couple of things here for me which uh, is the reason I think there's a reason they've brought this like Anthony Cunningham uh, being getting the, the job again it just showed confidence in him we'll say there's a continuity there as well which wasn't there before usually after every two years managers in out he changed up his backroom team. They seem to be very happy with Pat Malone, who was a, you know, he was a, a hard one, a hard graph mm. midfield, Eugene Clune, and wasn't a simple forward. Great pair of hands, but you know he could get rough and tumble when he wanted. So, 
you know, they've added a serious backroom team there. Damon Curley is there as well. So all that is fresh, but there's an edge to him. And I think Anthony Cunningham has that edge. We've seen it before on the sideline with Brent Cody. He's not afraid to shape up to anybody. You know? Yeah, and, and, and that was the decision that had the potential to be to go wrong. That idea that a manager basically is, is, is told he doesn't have the job or to at least to reapply for the job. I mean, it actually takes a lot of guts for a guy to say, to swallow his pride effectively and say, right, well, no one's given me, you know, a carte blanche here to continue in the job, but they're asking me to reapply. I'm going to try my very best to tell, to convince them that I'm still the man for the job. And the players have obviously responded to that, you know, because dressing rooms are weird places. Players could talk, they could say, right, well, they don't even want our manager, you know, and all of a sudden a seed of doubt in the manager is, 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 is sown and it kind of takes off from there. I mean, that, like that's a part of this Galway story that actually is worth focusing on for a second. I think it is, and I think it, looking at the kind of character that Anthony Cunningham is, I'd say it re-motivated him. I'd say deep down, he won't sing it out loud, but he probably wants to prove a couple of people wrong maybe within his yeah. own county, you know, the higher officials, but... His first season, he got to an All Ireland final. It was a puck of a ball away of winning the first day. So I suppose the players realise they've been through the mill with him. Their first bit of silverware, winning the Leinster title that year. He's been the manager at the helm there. So, you know, I think there's a there's a nice bond there, and um, you know, like the edge that they're bringing has to come from the management as well. And you could see that yes, he was animated on the line. Every he was challenging every decision. He was there. Um, he was on the referee's back. He was on the linesman back. And I think players feed off that. That can be counterproductive, though. Surely, can't it? If, if you go overboard, yeah. If you're if having you go to go with the ref and you get the ref on the on your bad side, yeah. His, but I think he was right side. in a couple of decisions. You know, there was one or two decisions. Maybe uh, remember the one just before halftime when Galway were on top. Andy Smith kind of scooped a hand down and kind of did touch on the ground, but the play went on maybe for five or, or six seconds, and then Barry Kelly blew, blew the whistle. Mm. Uh, Bubbles as well kind of came over on top of um, Andy Smith, and he gave a free against Andy Smith for putting hand hand down. Mm. So he was really he was up for it. He was really up for it, uh, Anthony Cunningham. And uh, look, it's the edge they're bringing. You see, he has big men as well. There, Cahill Mannion, Jason Flynn. These guys are all six foot one or two. Like, and I think we've seen the passage of play in the Sunday game last night when you've seen five or six hits coming in, legitimate hits, like, where they turned them over and then Paddy Maher uh, scooped the ball out over the sideline. You could see that Galway, you know, that this is what they had spoken about, get into Tip's faces, well, which they did. Well, they did. See, they got a, a lot out of a lot of their forwards and probably more so than Tipperary did outside of Callan. And yeah. even, say, Johnny Glynn, you're looking at Johnny Glynn yesterday thinking, well, you know, he's not really lighting it up. He wasn't, yeah. uh, he wasn't hitting the scores. But then, at the end of the day, he's got a stat where he's got something like five assists and uh, probably quite a few hooks and blocks as well. Oh, he did. So he these did. guys are, are all hooks and blocks. And yeah. look, when he got the ball, he kind of attacked. He went at the goal. You know, but for me as well, like, tactically, I think Andy Gunning would have got it right yesterday. Like, you know, a lot of damage was done by 13, 14 and 15, which was Cahill Mannion, Joe and Jason Flynn from the half-forward line. They were play, they were down to play inside, but all their damage was done from the half-forward line. And they accumulated 20 points um, from outside. Cahill Mannion got five from play. Jason Flynn got five, four from play, one free. Mm. Joe got 10 and he got two from play, but the sideline was outside and... You know, set up a cup, set up the lethal. The you know, he gave a lethal pass at the end of the game under pressure to set up the winning score from outside. So a lot of the damage was done. The, the Galway half forward line, which was made up of their 13, 14, 15 uh, with the numbers on their back, they dominated the tip half back line, and the Galway half back line then really came good in the last ten minutes, and they you know they lift the siege there time after time near the end to to put Galway on the tack, but. You know, look, Tip had a big part to play in this game as well, and I thought Seamus Cannon's uh, <laughs> solo performance was unbelievable. unbelievable. It was just uh, outstanding. He was shown for every ball, and probably 
probably I probably would have let Bubbles take the penalty. Seamus had won it. Um, I think his tongue was hanging out. He was after sh- shifting a couple of hard tackles, and maybe he, you know you you just having that full awareness when, when you're striking it. But uh, yeah, no, he was he was a colossal yesterday. Yeah, like uh, a lot of the reaction afterwards was focus maybe on on Mannion and why they left uh, Podrick Mannion on him for as long as they did. I mean, you do actually have to give a lot of credit to Callan though as well, because uh, you know the, the defender will say you. You know, the forward only has to get lucky once. I have to be lucky every time. And Manny did win his fair share of ball, but at the same time, if if the the, the Malky Clerkin said it well in the Times this morning, actually, that I, we can describe the first goal, we can describe the three goals at once because they're all the same. Course, Long yeah. ball, lurried in on top of him, he catches the ball, turns and finishes with the minimum of fuss. You know, I mean, what? Why do you think Galway left Mannion as long as they did on on Callan yesterday? Yeah, I was surprised, to be honest with you. But looking at it from where I was looking at the game, uh, high up in, in the Hogan stand, you could see that there was serious space in front of Seamus Callan. And that was one thing I would have spoken about last week, that uh, if Anthony Cunningham goes down the road of leaving Tipperary with space, he's going to suffer, like because the likes of Callan and Bubbs mm. and these guys, they thrive on it. And for the first 20, 25 minutes, um, I looked in one or two, uh, once or twice, and there was only two men on the inside forward line, and Galway's half-back line was pushed out, and there was acres of space. And that's where Seamus profited. Then Johnny Cohen, sit, uh, he sat back in after about 20, 25 minutes, which, def- which definitely shored up a bit. And Galway then actually got their momentum going. And 10 minutes before halftime, I said to Jesse, Galway didn't want the halftime whistle coming. Mm-hmm. They were really on top. They would have put more scores on the board if they had to go on. But I think at halftime, they were able to assess it and say, right, we'll get our half back line just to sit back mm-hmm. a small bit. Now, Tipperary did overcome that by luring long ball into Seamus Cannon. Which he uh, which he thrived on as well. He won it fifty uh, fifty in the air, but he wasn't getting for you know he was getting ball in the first half out in front of him that he could snap it, turn his man and he's over the bar. So tactically, I think uh, Galway management can. Um, they got there in the end. They got it right. They can yeah. take a big uh, clap on the back. Whereas probably Tipperary will be disappointed from from the sideline that uh, they didn't get enough of their main guys into the game. The bubbles is the Bonner Mares and that you know. Those tip players afterwards, you were looking at a couple of them, and uh, we were down the hill end where we were watching it. Uh, you know, from goalkeeper out, they were just really struggling to get to their feet for a couple of minutes afterwards, which isn't too surprising. How long does it vary from player to player? How long does a defeat like that stay in people's I think that souls? Was go- I think that was going to hurt a lot. Like I'd say, that was the worst dressing room you would have been in yesterday. And I know Tip have won all Ireland, and that bulk of players have uh, have been sorry defeated in all Ireland down the years. But I'd say that was the worst because deep down, I suppose it's a point. You know, it's the last puck of the game. Um, it's a thriller of a game, and like that game will be s- spoke about for for 2015 season. You're on the end of it, and deep down, then like you know, Eamon would have addressed them in the dressing room, and they were looking, saying, "This is the last time this man is going to address us." Who would have got them to a certain level? And I can see what he has done with Seamus Canlan, the exact same thing he done with Larry Corbett. He's changed him. He's turned him inside out. He's a different man. Mindset now, Seamus Canlan is a different player. Like, you know, so you know, just when you have one player or even a team, right? Here we are again, maybe in tip, and um, your manager is gone. You know, and I mentioned earlier with Anthony Cunningham continuity. You know, it's it's a, and I think that would really hurt the tip guys today when they're when they're you know when they're chatting about it. They'll be saying. No, here we are now. We're Even right. Seamus Callan is coming out of it with three, whatever he scored, and probably thinking, "Well, I should have stuck the penalty," which is yeah. not. Oh, look, yeah, probably. Can't really ask for much more out no, of him. No, he, he was awesome yesterday, but like, yeah. did you share a little? How did he, so just to bring you back to that, how do you think that Eamon O'Shea said about changing him? What did he do to Lar? What did he do 
with yeah, well, Seamus Callan that allowed them to flourish in an attacking yeah, manner. Well, with Lair, he would have just got inside his head, basically. Um, probably looked at Lair as the kind of player he was when he was playing Eamon, uh, used his pace and that, and got him at those diagonal runs and Lair, non-stop movement, that was Lair. But with Seamus, I think he has just handed him the full responsibility. You're my leader, you're my go-to man, free-taker, you know, and Seamus has delivered for him, mm. and he's been awesome. 3-9 yesterday, 3-8 against Galway last year, you know, but, um, no, so he's really got inside he, his head, like, and worked on him in training and that, and Seamus has obviously bulked up, he's he's a better player, but not, no one man is going to win any game for you, and, like, this is where, and I mentioned Jason Flynn and Cahill Mannion all year for me, have, and it was mentioned last night on the TV, they, I'm sure Joe Kenny is a happy man this morning that he knows, he knows he has two serious guys left and right of him but guys that can hurl can and have pace pace is a massive thing like you know you look at the top goal scorers that hit over 30 goals uh, through the durations of their careers the DJ Careys the Eddie Brennans Larry Corberts there's one common denominator pace you know, from play. Yeah. Those guys have all hit over 30 goals from play yeah. and come the, pace. Yeah, and I think that that's, the, that's a huge thing, uh, like looking at it from Galway's perspective, that, you know, Conor Whelan had a great day the last day against Cork. And, you know, you'd kind of hand it to him tomorrow or yesterday and say, right, well, it's probably not going to go for you today. You know, you just stick at it. And as it turned out, he hit two points and played a lot better, actually, than I expected him to play. He did very, very well. And Flynn and Mannion have actually across the year they've been they were good to start and they've grown throughout the year and it's not really a case of them going into an Ireland final thinking right well you know they've still got a lot to prove they like they did it yesterday in under the most immense pressure so it's you, there are, there are reasons to feel pretty confident about those guys going into the Ireland final and we don't want to mention Kilkenny every goal person I bet just like just yeah. you know yeah. let us enjoy this one yeah. and we'll talk about Kilkenny in the morning yeah. But no, look, Conor Wheel, you mentioned this, I can just still visualise him, like he was like a greyhound, just chasing down lost balls, and actually getting there, the hurl was in, you know, he's a left-handed hurler, so that can be more awkward for some of the right-handed defenders, because a left-hander is in, he's coming in at a different angle maybe, and you know, he chipped in with his two points, but I think he had a turnover in the second half at a crucial moment. Every time Tiberi went the three points ahead, Galway had it back into space to two or three minutes. You know, and the goalie like, reactions to was, tips goals was there, unbelievable. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And after half time, um, Galway the ten minutes before half time for me is when Galway actually got it into their heads we're going to win this game, and they continued that right after half time, and hit three or four uncharacteristic wides yesterday. Even Jason Flynn probably missed his easiest shot yesterday. But if they get those, if they get those scores yesterday, they might have pushed on earlier, but they didn't get them. But I think the hardened battle that they came through yesterday is going to stand to him going forward definitely in three weeks time but you know Conor Whelan but I'm so impressed with Cahill Mannion and uh, Jason Flynn I think those two guys I just pace as when you're matching pace and skill at that level you're uh, it's a different player like you know one tactical issue that they did obviously have was uh, leaving Mannion on Seamus Callanan for that entire time it was part of that we talked a little bit about this in Gaelic football terms a couple of weeks ago when Mayo were struggling last year on um, Kieran Donaghy and they left the same man on him and there might a part of it might have been well you know he'll work it out he's one of our leaders so Caff- who was, was Jerry Caffrey Jerry Caffrey yeah. was on him he, he, he'll get it sorted in the end was there a little bit of that yesterday do you think because I couldn't we were all in Croke Park wondering yeah. you know, the one thing that Galway have to change here is just sort of do do something to limit what Callanan is doing yeah I think there would have been like Parik Mannion you know he's been spoken about all year like and he's playing great stuff cornerback. So yesterday he was inside their full back on Seamus Canlon. But look, I definitely think that uh, any 
forward, the Seamus Cannons, the Joe Cannings, the TJ Reeds, those top men, if they get space and get quality ball outside, that um, from in outside that they're going to be destroyed. So I'd say what Andy Cunningham will do the next day is he will try and get more, even more from his midfielders and his half forward line to stop that ball uh, being pinpoint accuracy into your, your inside men. Because that's where it, where it starts now. I thought the Galway half-forward line, um, I suppose they were doing a lot of hurling yesterday, so maybe the odd time in the first half, especially in the first, especially the first 25 minutes, you know, you're, you're a direct opponent because they were moving so much as well, all those guys, that your direct opponent is going to pick, pick up a couple of balls and be able to pinpoint a few passes. And I suppose the tip midfielders probably... You know, they faded as the game went on, but in, in the early stages, they were able to hit a couple of clean balls in as well. So yep. I think it has to stop outside, and that'll make um, life easier for the fullback inside. But no, I think uh, Cunningham will show faith in him in that fullback line going forward again. All right, well, just a last word. Most importantly, you see the couple of hurls over there on the on the chairs. Myself and Murphy are gracing <laughs> Croke Park with their presence this evening. Anything, we both want to play roving roles in the forward line. Any, any no, tips? no, I, I'll stop you right there. I want to be put on the edge of that square. Do my very best. I can catch it and I can kick it. Yeah. I, if, I'm hoping not to get the hurley involved at all if I could, if I can avoid it. So just I'm sure, I'm sure that pitch is pretty I, big once you get out there. I fancy the Galway man to perform. He's on a high there. He, he greeted me with a smile there, so he did. I can, His confidence. I, I can see did. a few fist pumps there later on today. He's do a hat trick there, I'd say. But Listen, enjoy, oh, guys. We, we will indeed. Thanks so much for coming in. Good stuff. That's the question. That's going to be answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight. Tonight. Into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight. Their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just. The bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. No, I think Hawk have made a massive boo boo with our matchups. Massive boo boo. Tonight. 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 I did it, Kieran. I asked the question. And Owen gave it the full respect it deserved there about mm. tips on how to play in Croke Park. He yeah. wasn't very specific, now I must no, say. No, no. I, I, I think, you know, this close to throw in, Owen, you don't want to clutter your head with too many thoughts. You know, just clear messages and uh, just go out there and, go, you know, just, just, just do what you've always done, Owen. You know, full-throated Effort. Do what you always did from your from when you started playing hurling at under ten to finishing at under thirteen. Yeah. Just just plug away there. He was he did you know he did the most hurler thing that uh, I can imagine. He saw these his eyes honestly lit up when he saw the hurlers. Yeah. He said, like, "What what are these doing in here?" And he starts feeling the weight of them, getting a feel for them. Seemed quite impressed. My brother and I must thank Jer Armstrong for that former cooler player for mm. sending us these in. I swear it's a corporate gift of some form for lending me his hurls tonight. But I must uh, wonder about the state of the helmet there, Ken. Oh, Kenny looked in disgust. I'll have a look. Pick it up there and have a look. It's not in the best condition. I don't know how many head injuries this is going to save you. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is it meant to be like that? Not really, no. Look at the... It's, well, got, I mean, it, it's, it's basically it. open. It's got like a hatch open no, that, around the, the temple. That's, that's fine. Right, yeah. That, yeah, that's... There, there go but fast. you see all, that black, all that. that black tape. It's a white helmet. It looks more like less a hurling helmet than... What, what was that horror movie? That sort of slasher movie? J- Jason, uh, Jason Voorhees. Friday yeah. the 13th. It looks like something he'd wear, complete with no, I think, straps, uh, with yeah. ta- black taping on rusted, a white helmet. It's rusted as well. You see, my brother-in-law's excuse was that he was always retiring ever since I met him. Can I put this up? Yeah, you can, yeah. Ever since, I, as you put it on, I'll explain to Murph, ever since I met Jerry, he's like, no, this is my last season. Uh, yeah. So he never bothered investing in a new helmet for about the last 10 years. Of his I've, I've played with guys who had a similar uh, outlook towards uh, football boots. Oh, no. Ken, uh, Ken you, don't break it now. But, but, uh, but you can't. I mean... See this? See the two ear flaps? They're the sides. Yeah. And then you stick the just, thing on. You literally just ram it on. Yeah, just... 
Well, you've just got a oh, large okay. head. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. I'm going to have to uh, just take a photo yeah, for right, yeah. extremely uncomfortable. Oh no, they're no, comfort isn't. Well, it's putting a lot of pressure on my jaw. Mm. It's like pushing my jaw back into into <laughs> towards my neck, and. Um, yeah, and it's got a lot of pressure on my skull as well. I mean, do they make them in different sizes? Yes, it, yeah. You would yeah, have one. I think this one is a bit yeah, small. <laughs> well, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, right. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't wear that one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable in that. Mm. He's got we, hat hair now. We should We're probably talk about it. Back to fibre stuff. Then. You did want to mention the Sunday game. We, we we got the sense of how excited Owen Kelly was by that game. Yeah. I know you saw this, the Sunday game analysis and the same thing. The boys were even grizzled hurling men. Were, were uh, yeah, taking it back. Um, I don't know if you have a if you run a bingo uh, for uh, Sunday game. You know key words in Sunday game analysis of hurling, but uh, uh, Des said absolutely fantastic game. He's talking to Don Lo Cusack, Henry Shefflin, and Anthony Daly, and. We love hurling was literally three of the first five words out of their mouth. Uh, uh, but it was brilliant. And the three boys uh, did it just... I've been really impressed by Henry Shefflin as, a, as an analyst. He's been really... He just gets into it brilliantly. Yeah. And it, it, uh, it was just a real conversation between the three of them. So uh, I have to say kudos to the three boys on the Sunday game last night. I should also just mention that that game we're playing tonight, there's also a charity aspect to it, Special Olympics Ireland. Yeah. the chosen charity there. Just so everyone's going to do well out of that. Mention so. in there. Uh, let's talk about Jason Day, who is the USPGA champion after so many top 10 finishes, so many near misses in majors. Matt Murnane writes for the Melbourne Age and has been writing uh, about his background, about Jason Day's background. First of all, the actual win itself, Matt, 20 under par is an unbelievable score, best score in a major ever. Extraordinary win. I presume it's a popular win in Australia? Yeah, it was uh, very popular. Um, obviously, it's a, a great story um, about a guy who's... Uh, hasn't really uh, given up. He's had um, a bit of hardship through his life and um, he's uh, been banging up his, his head against the wall from a major's point of view for a long time. I think it was his 10th uh, top 10 that finally uh, sealed the deal for him. So um, when you see someone earn it that way, it's always a bit uh, a bit satisfying and, and a great story for um, the Australian sporting public. Yeah, it's a great story. And I suppose the rest of the world have seen the latter stages of his struggles and they've seen him getting to the top of the game but not finishing the deal at majors. You remember the vertical that he suffered at the uh, US yes. Open and all that kind of thing. But the, what you talk about actually when you say that he's, he's had an uphill struggle goes back a long way and you've been writing about this. Can you tell us a little bit about his, about his background, about his childhood? Yeah, well, he, um, just from a family perspective, um, they did it hard when they were younger, um, growing up. And, um, and then his father, he lost his father when he was 12. His father died of stomach cancer um, and from then on um, or shortly after that Jason uh, lost his way a little bit he um, was a self-confessed uh, um, alcoholic when he was about 13 and he was um, getting into fights and um, there was a real sort of danger that he would uh, lose his way and um, it took his mother um, selling the house to um, put him to a boarding school and it was about two two hours away from where they lived and from there he um he got into golf and um, met his caddy, who um, is still with him um, now and has become a, a father figure to him. Um, and from there, he's basically um, he's gone through the journey that's uh, led up to, to yesterday's great win. Um, so, yeah, just a, a really great story from a guy who never really gave up. Can you tell us about that relationship with his caddy that you say he's still with today? How did, how did that f- form at school? It was... Um, 
Jason uh, went to school at that point. He was um, a, 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 a kid that loved golf, um, even though he was starting to slip off the um, the rails a little bit. He, when he was younger, his father um, uh, got him into golf and he, he showed some talent. So when he went to the boarding school, that was the, the passion that he wanted to pursue. And um, Cole Swatton um, met him there and um, just took him under his wing and uh, basically... 30 hours a week, as, as Jason has described throughout his career, he, he just um, worked worked tirelessly day in, day out. And um, Cole has been uh, his swing coach, his caddy, um, a bit of a father figure for him. Just uh, pretty much been with Jason every every step of the way. And there was one um, one anecdote that um, when they first met, um, they had a bit of a, a fight between the two, and um, Jason was big enough um, as a 13, 14 year old kid to go up and, and apologise to Cole and, and uh, for the fight. And um, after that point, Colin said at that point that he would never um, leave Jason as long as Jason wanted him around and he, and he stayed the whole time. An incredible move by his mother there. We're talking about a woman who's lost her husband and has this kid who's gone off the rails completely. She sells the family home, you said, to, to finance the. It's, it's not as though they had the money to just ship him off to boarding school. She had to sell the home to do that, and it's obviously worked well. Has he talked? Does he talk a lot about that about his background, or is it something that you guys over there have just learned almost yourselves over the years? Yeah, not. Uh, he doesn't talk about it a lot um, in you know for the last since he sort of got on the PGA tour. Obviously, um, when he first got on, it was a it was a big story, and um, but from then on, since he sort of become part of the upper echelon of um, players on the. PGA Tour, it's sort of um, not something that he speaks about a lot, but um, obviously his mother came into focus um, in 2013 when she lost um, eight members of her family in the typhoon, the, uh, typhoon in the um, Philippines. Um, so that sort of uh, brought his mother and everything that she'd done with him back into focus for him, and um, it was shortly after that that he won the World Cup of Golf in Australia, and that was a, a really big story. Um, down here as well. So, other than that, um, it's sort of been pretty well documented. And um, but certainly, I'm sure he would have um, it would have occurred to Jason um, probably on the 18th green as he was uh, holding back tears or letting the tears flow in between putts before his winning putt. Just uh, everything that his mother had been able to do for him and to get him to that uh, point in his life. He seemed to be a little bit surprised himself by the fact that the tears were flowing. Yes. Yeah. He, he said after the. Uh, the round, they didn't think that would happen. But um, when you consider everything he's gone through, it's not unsurprising that uh, they did they did flow and the emotions spilled over. It must have been a, a hugely satisfying moment for him. Yeah, and uh, it's, I just find it so interesting, the, the, the story that you've told about his background, the fact that he is 27 years old, and that now people are really talking about this as a, as a big three that McElroy and Speet, uh, who both have had really the archetypal golfing childhood, uh, yeah. you know, absolutely no... It's been a seamless transition from boy wonder to major winner for those two guys. Yes. And for Jason Day to have gone, as you say, this is his 10th top 10, to have paid his dues over and over again uh, yeah. in major championships over the last number of years. He's going to bring something a little different if it does materialise into a, into a big three type situation as people are now getting excited about Day is going to bring a, 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 diff- a totally different uh, set of circumstances and a background uh, to the table than the other two. For sure, and I think that's what um, does make it exciting when you think about the majors coming up. If those three 
uh, to be in the mix. I think um, Jordan Spieth um, just has a, a, a flair and a brilliance that he can do things that uh, other players can't do. He can make shots um, that are sort of Houdini-like, um, some of his, his chips and some of the putts he landed even in the final round of the PGA Championship were um, something quite incredible, and, and he's able to get on big runs, and he's just a really clutch type of former, whereas Rory can um, he can sort of dominate if he comes out and he's on fire, he, he just can't be stopped in a in a, a tournament. We've seen him just uh, win um, tournaments wire to wire and win them by by so much, um, so many shots, almost sort of Tiger Woods like in his dominance. Whereas Jason then sort of brings something different. He's just he's just double tough. He just always um, hangs in there, and um, you know, he, he hits the ball so high. Um, he's very strong, um, so he's got all the attributes. But um, when it comes down to just uh, on the final day on a Sunday, now having got over the master, uh, sorry, over the uh, the major hump, I think his greatest asset in that three-way battle will be the fact that he's just a fighter. Matt, can I ask you uh, in, in in general? There's Jason Day there now. Obviously, Adam Scott has had a huge amount of success. You've got like Matt Jones appears and, and leads the tournament for a little yeah. while. Mark Leishman had a good go, wasn't it? The, the British Open earlier this year, and he's the kind of guy who can just produce a round out of nowhere. It it seems like Australian golf is in a pretty healthy state. Yeah, for sure, and um, just domestically, um, the uh, the three tournaments that we have here um, getting. Better players, slowly but surely, getting better players down here. The galleries are getting bigger. The, um, the free-to-air television coverage has grown um, ever since um, Adam Scott won the, the Masters, and I think this obviously will just um, add to that. Um, whether or not uh, um, Jason Day actually comes back and plays any of the tournaments, um, if he was to do that this summer, that would give it an, an even bigger lift. But certainly, I can't remember. Um, since probably the, the Greg Norman era where we had um, a lot of um, Australian players. So that was sort of our golden age to the uh, Greg Norman era. A lot of Australian players um, coming on and, and a legitimate chance for every major every time we go out there. So it is a good time for golf at the moment and a lot of people are playing golf over here and it's um, it's uh, becoming a bit more popular and it's, uh, it's great to see. Yeah, there's a few Irish guys going well as well, so hopefully there'll be, there'll be some battles over the next few yeah. years. Listen, Matt Murnane, great to talk to you. Thanks a million. No problems. Great stuff there from Matt Murnane on Day's um, rather troubled upbringing, or certainly troubled at times during his his teenage years. Obviously, the death of his father hitting him uh, unbelievably hard, but he's <laughs> forged an incredible career for himself from heading off to that boarding school. It seemed to work out for him. Matt Jones, I mentioned him there. Ken, he was leading the tournament when he had a slightly unexpected detour, whacking the ball about 100 yards, hooking it 100 yards into the hospitality area. Yeah. Where a lot of, I would say, boost up fair weather golf fans were delighted with themselves. They finally get to see some action. I mean, they don't want to have to go out in the course. (laughs) (laughs) The mountain truly came to Mohammed. It's great when that happens. I mean, have you actually been to one of these big golf tournaments and walked around? Yeah, I've been to the Ryder Cup. I was at the Ryder Cup once in 2006. Um, And like, it's... Awful spectator sport. The worst spectator sport I've ever actually been at. Worse than baseball. I think it does depend on the course, though. Some courses probably... Well, the K-Club's a nice course, right? No, it's, a, it's a really nice course, but when there's that, that big a crowd, you're, it's hard to get really good... You know, you can't necessarily find a nice little bump that you can stand above somebody else and get... It's all 
reasonably flat, I would have thought. Yeah, it's quite, it's fairly flat, all right. Um, but just a lot of trudging around, sort of people standing around the place. And for what? You don't even get to see anything. Like, you, you can only watch this thing on, on TV, really. It you, can't be watched in, in person. So you, you would say if you were to go to another golf tournament, you would actually be... Well, no, I guys. won't go to another golf tournament. But if you were to do it, you'd just be in the corporate tents. Absolutely. And that's exactly where I'd be. And, if, and they should pro- probably have a hole that passes through there. And that way, that way, everyone would everyone would get to see it. You know, people who yeah. weren't you know who who weren't really that into walking around because I know that's that's part of the attraction. Golf people who you know like to do that, like to get out in the air, walk around a bit. Um, but people who just wanted to focus on the on they, the booze. Yeah, I mean, if they pour over the analytics, I think they'll see that this Matt Jones excursion into the corporate tents <laughs> played very well with the punters. Yeah. The um, only thing I would a say, a YouTube clip. I mean, how many views are we going to get it, get of this on YouTube? I think it's going to perform very strongly and you're looking at ABC ones there as well. You know, <laughs> really top end earners. So uh, I think uh, I think it's something for us to, to, to think if about. If I there. was to give a slight bit of advice to the next golfer who ends up in there, if he wants to be the man, to be the face of this operation, mm. the guy's going to drive it forward. It's not going to be Matt Jones because Matt Jones is far too professional, but he went in, took a shot, seemed to ma- ignore all the beer swilling fans around him roaring yep. in his face, gave no high fives to anybody. Yeah, come on. A lot of high fives are offered. Yeah. All turned down politely by Matt Jones. Chuck, 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 chuck. <laughs> oh yeah, you chuck that, How is that? Like how 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 did that not happen? I mean, I know he's got a major win, but I mean, come on. The Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast is out now. That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. The World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you Johnny man? What does pride taste like, Owen? I mean, there's only a few tastes, isn't there? Sweet, uh, sour, bitter, salty, and umami. <laughs> isn't that? Isn't that the fifth one? Um, umami. Isn't uh, it? I, I don't sure. know, Ken. I think that's it. Finally a, got off the reservation. I think that's a taste. But, you know, I, I mean, I guess... Um, It'd be very acidic, I can tell you that, though. You think it would be acidic? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it would, I, there, would be, there would be a bitterness to it as well. I think especially when you're tasting it, I mean, it implies that you're, it's in your mouth, which probably means you, you're having to swallow it. Oh, yeah. And if it was wounded pride, there might be a sort of an acrid tang, a bloody tang to it and and as it as a kind of an extrusion of the of the human body pride itself you would imagine a, a base of saltiness mm-hmm. um unpleasant an unpleasant um thing to be gulping down great gobs of uh, but that's what john terry is having to do uh today and we're going to talk about that and also about Wayne Rooney and um, Louis van Gaal. If you saw any of RTE's coverage of the European Boxing Championships, you'd have been blown away by the relentless brilliance of the Irish team. It's funny, even saying the rugby players, it's something that Irish sport tends to struggle with to get a team to the very top and keep them there and consistently deliver on expectations. Even when the rugby team, there tends to be one good year, one bad year, and not so much recently, but uh, historically, and even with some of our individual sports people, it can be streakier. You don't know exactly what's going to happen, whereas the box is just absolutely incredible. Led by Billy Walsh, his nephew, Dean Walsh, actually won the bronze medal. Joe Ward won a gold medal. And our guest today, Michael Conlon, went one better than the last European Championships. He got a silver then, a gold medal in Bulgaria, and he was named boxer of the tournament. Michael, incredible work. Congratulations. You must be pretty pleased with all that work. 
Yeah, well, and, you know, it's been it's been a, a great week. So uh, to come away with a box through the tournament at the end of it and the gold medal, it's a fantastic achievement uh, and I'm really, really proud of. Were you allowing yourself to think at all about the Boxer of the Tournament award before the final? I assume you're not supposed to. I'm sure all the sports psychologists yeah. would say, don't think about those things. Was there a part of you thinking, I'm going really well here, I could be, I could get the, that prize? No, well, to be honest, uh, for, in my opinion, from, um, for, like if I was judging my own performances, I didn't think I performed to my best ability. So uh, the, the, the the referees and whoever, whoever decided to... Uh, for the best boxer more they must have they must have been really impressed but I was impressed with myself you know I know I know I'm 10 times better than what I actually was so they actually come away with the best boxer it's it's a great achievement I think not not performing my best you know yeah I mean that must be a, a, a great frame of mind that because I suppose all sportsmen want and sports women want to achieve success but also to have elements they can improve on and you've obviously got the worlds coming up and the olympics coming up so you know that you've got you say yourself you can get a lot better yeah, I've got I've got Berlin team now preparation preparation team for the Worlds and the Olympic Games, and I think uh, coming up into these World Championships, I'm going to have a lot more preparation than what I have had for these Europeans, and I think I'm 100 percent sure and confident that I'm going to come away with a gold medal and be Ireland's first ever male world champion. It seems like the next logical step for the boxers that one of you, hopefully, that that you're the man to do it to win a world title because we've had so many Olympic medalists now, including yourself, and we're yeah. so consistent that it seems like a, a male Olympic champion and before that a male world champion is nearly the next step that we that, that all the hard work has been put in. Somebody has to get over the line there. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Ireland have pushed on so, so much in the last few years, and I think these Olympics we're going to have definitely an Olympic champion, maybe two. I think me and Paddy. I've been I've been watching Paddy all year. I think he's unbeatable. He's fantastic. He, when he, the way he qualifies for, for the Olympics this year has been amazing. And I think me and him, because I know that definitely sure that I'm going to go there and and, and get a gold medal in the Olympics. I really have that self belief and confidence in myself, and it's all down to the preparation and the work we put in. So I, I know we'll leave no stone no stone left unturned and, and get there. You know. Would you be adding Joe Ward to that list? Maybe he was, looked pretty impressive in Bulgaria. Yeah, well, it's, uh, if, when, when Joe turns up, Joe's on form. Joe beats anybody. Joe is a fantastic talent and always has been since he's turned turned senior. You know, even the juniors, he's, he's already a two-time world champion. So like, it's it's crazy. It's it's mental. I saw, uh, I heard you doing uh, an interview over the weekend on RTE Radio. And you're making the point that you, after the Olympic Games, you thought that you would what do you thought listen I'm, a, I'm an Olympic medalist now surely the endorsements will come rolling yeah. in here and it, ne- it never quite happened can you explain that a little bit to us how, how that actually worked yeah. did, you, did you just expect it maybe that sponsors would be climbing on board etc yeah I thought, I thought after the last Olympics I thought well, what are the rewards but you know coming away with, with medalists but it seemed it seemed we didn't you know we didn't really seem to get any and it was it was quite unfortunate you know we, 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 no one cased in on us, no one, no one, no one really backed us after the last Olympics. We kind of forgot about it after, after three, three weeks or so. So it's quite uh, heartbreaking. But you know, hopefully this this time, being bigger names and bigger household names around Ireland, hopefully we'll get we we'll get a good f- a few sponsors. Is there any more that you guys can do yourselves? Do you think besides besides maybe Paddy walking around with his signs in the opening uh, ceremonies? Is there anything else that you can do to work on that side? I suppose it's not really all you can do is is, yeah, is, is box. I guess I, I have a, I have a, my agent uh, trying 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 her best to get get me sponsors. So if anybody 
is Will and Will and sponsor me. You know, my Twitter is McConnell Eleven, and my agent contacts on my Twitter. So yeah, go ahead, have a look, and and work away. And you've already told us, yeah, you've already done the hard sell. You're going to be Olympic champion, so people should yeah. climb on board now. I guess Michael, before yeah, in fairness, the fights were on RT too. They were showing them live, and they're showing the World Championship fights yeah. as well, which is a, a good bonus at this stage. That's fantastic. You know, I, I didn't expect there'd be as much coverage, but uh, for 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 the boxing this year and. As RTE didn't really seem that I didn't know they had the rates, but then it popped up a week before the Europeans saying they had the rates for this, for them Europeans in the World Championships, the whole World Championships I think, and uh, from start to finish, but uh, and the Women's World Championships. So it'd be it'd be great if if more for the more coverage we get, and then the sponsors seem to like what they're seeing and, and get on board. When the sponsors didn't, um, did, the sponsorship didn't come through. I, I saw Bernard Dunn in that RT commentary saying that he he is fairly aware that some top promoters in America were looking for you to sign professionally, yeah. and that's no surprise at all. Really, did, were you tempted by the idea of going professional, given that you weren't you weren't necessarily getting the sponsorships you thought you should be as an amateur? Yeah, well, always you're always going to be tempted to go professional as as it is the paid ranks as it's called, and you want to go and and you want to make as much money as possible in the shortest amount of time. So. I was I was definitely definitely tempted, but I know if I go and get an Olympic Olympic goal of uh, extra few zeros on on my my, my check anyway. And that'd be the plan, will it be go pro after Rio? Yeah, well that's the plan. You know, I want to I want to I want to get that Olympic gold and the world goal this year, and then hopefully staying off as European Commonwealth Olympic World Champion. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it would be it would be fantastic. That'll do the job, all right. Well, listen, Michael, you, you're probably being your own harshest critic, saying that you weren't boxing particularly well. We thought you were you were doing yeah. great stuff, but you're going to know it a lot better than we are. So, congratulations on the Europeans, and this best Cheers. of luck Thank in the world's you. coming up. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. Cheers. Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel A fortune won and lost on every deal All you need is strong heart and a new steel Viva Thanks a lot, Pepe Yes, sir. I'm the new World Federal of the Championship. God Great stuff for Michael there, sounding pretty uh, pretty harsh on his own performances, I would have said, <laughs> as boxer of the tournament in Bulgaria. But confident about the future. He's going to be, well, he is European champion. He is Commonwealth champion. He's going to be world champion. He will win the Olympics and then he'll go professional. That's what I like to hear. Uh, that would be, a, if, if he were to... Uh, complete that little quartet that would be a pretty strong case to make to then uh, turn professional alright if you've won pretty much everything that you can win uh, there's not he doesn't really have a whole lot left to prove if uh, if by this time next year it would be this time next year near enough I would say that uh, Olympic gold medal would be in the bag if, yeah, and if you're he's ne- going to go and win it you're never totally sure with the boxers when they're talking about going professional some of them they obviously have to they want to use that as a bargaining tool anyway to make sure that they stay yeah. on the top grants and all the rest of it I should say Michael Conn Michael Conn and these boxers do get they get their grants We're, we were talking about sponsorship money uh, uh, as something that hasn't poured in for them for whatever reason but it, you, know, you, you would assume if Conlon does it's all about styles as well but if he does go and win an Olympic an Olympic medal of any description or even just goes over to the Olympic Games as he's going to do you think the it's the next logical step mm. is to go pro at this stage. Can I just ask you about the? We, we're, we are going to hear about the Premier League weekend and the football podcast and some John Terry pride being swallowed and all that kind of mm. stuff. But uh, I, th- I was quite amused by the Manchester City supporters when the doctors went onto the field to treat an injured Chelsea player. There was sort of a, oh, and, then, uh, and then you're going to get sacked in the morning and all yeah. this. Gary Cahill got 
punched in the nose by Begovic and was bleeding like a stuck pig. Owen. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, Ch- the Chelsea doctors, there was no alternative. They had to enter the field of play, <laughs> which caused the general hilarity just before our time. As Jose Mina said there, uh, trying to look as though he wasn't particularly bothered, but everybody uh, everybody was having a good old laugh. In the meantime, The Sun put out a story about Ava Carnero's sex life for no apparent reason. Yeah, well, I mean, this, the reason essentially would be the... Um, I suppose she became a person of interest uh, over the last week, thanks to Jose Mourinho highlighting her. Uh, so the son uh, spoke to a former boyfriend of hers who did a kind of a kiss-and-tell type story um, in which he said a lot of the usual kind of sleazy kiss-and-tell type things. But the damaging thing that he said was, um, well, I mean, obviously all of it from her point of view would have been unpleasant, but the kind of damaging aspect of it would have been her his claim that she boasted about having slept with a Chelsea player with him to, to him. And then in the very next line, he kind of says, although I think she probably only said that, I didn't know whether to believe it. I think she maybe only said it to get at me. Yeah, he actually said, I, I, I don't believe it was actually, it was just, yeah, it was just, be, so it's, you know. So like, essentially he, he kind of dismissed his own, <laughs> his own accusation. And yet it still ends up in the paper. Yeah, and, and I mean, a, a really damaging accusation. Uh, about about her. I mean, you can imagine, you know, what what kind of a day she must have had yesterday. Seeing this, I mean, li- literally last this time last week, everything everything's good, and suddenly here, and uh, not only have you had all these problems at work and become this kind of figure of this, you know, the center of this debate going on all week. Now suddenly, tabloid newspapers are digging up details about your sex lives and people who you really, really wish that you'd never ever got involved with or ever uh, laid eyes on. Are now uh, telling lies about you to the sun. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty nasty. But you know, these. I suppose it's all just part of the human cost of Jose Mourinho's uh, distraction uh, ploys. You know, you got to find a distraction. It's okay, just throw it in, and you have know, human wreckage emerges on the other side. Well, you know, it is. It's the Premier League. You know, it's a tough league. Ken, stick your helmet back on there for the final thank you. Uh, putting a lot of pressure on my skill. Yeah, just, just for the final little bit there. Just want to take a couple more snaps here. Careful, we need to wear this tonight. I think we might have to share this helmet tonight, by the way, Murph. We've only got one yeah. helmet between us. I might uh, sit out the hurling. German, I might be German as well. Oh, right. I get the impression that this would really massively amplify the pain or the force of any kind of a blow to the head. Yeah, once again, to all helmet manufacturers, just to uh, defend these guys, I, I would say that you would normally wear a helmet that fits you. You wouldn't just take some helmet that I have. Ken's now punching himself <laughs> on the face guard to see if any damage. Well, it doesn't feel like much of a guard, though. I feel like a lot could get through that guard. Well, you know? yeah, but I mean... It's like if you were in a shark cage or something and you kind of, you know, you realise that the bars of the cage were like three feet apart and you're thinking to yourself, is this really... <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the shark's like uh, three feet and four inches wide, so you should be fine, Ken. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, so. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, Lud. Thanks, Ked. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Second Captains, Facebook.com forward slash Second Captains, and do give us a, a rating or a comment on the podcast on iTunes if that's the way that you're listening. In the meantime, thanks very much. Do listen out to that football podcast. Loads of stuff, great stuff on that one. Take care. What is that? It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those boys. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 